Tengo sisi Jesu Kristu. Damba amende. Amen. Um ikama la mesilishi ukuthi ngubani eh engishiyela inselelo enzima ukuthi ngiyesho ukuthi eh why ngiku cream of the crop. Engizonazisa ukuthi why ngithi ngiku cream of the crop. The reason why ngiku cream of the crop is because eh endulo ngafelwa ngegazi la Jesu Kristo. Amen. Eh so lokho kungenza ngibe u cream of the crop. Uma na ukholwa ukuthi wafelwa ngegazi lemvana elisuke ezulwini. Hayi u cream of the crop now. So ngiyakangijabulisa ukuthi ngithi ngiwe u cream of the crop. Ngiphinde futhi inkhulume nabanye u cream of the crop. Isithoko sethu sana namhlanje utambama eh njobe seshile umphathi wethu ukuthi sizobe sigxila kancane kuzona lezi eh esizibiza ngolimi kajoji sithi financial wellness um okuyi subject nokho abaningi abathi mangabe beyibuza bethi kubalekile sekube namadebate amaningi ukuthi why should we have these discussions in the church uh, are we not being money focused and uh, and and of this world and not focused as in twenties gangkulunkulu. But it is interesting Uguti um Mangabe Ufunda e Bible you will find Uguti amongst many topics that the Bible covers uh, it probably amongst the top two between love you will find that the Bible talks about uh, money and possessions now the reason why there are so many topics about money and possessions uh, it is possible and as i didn't write the bible it is possible though that it is something of great importance for christians and and maybe it could be something that could hold back christians from seeing uh, their maker one day or it could be something that they can use as a power for good to ensure that when their maker comes back there are more people who are able to see heaven because it was well handled um mangabesiya lapha ku financial wellness and to see uh, are you comfortable if unkhuluma ngezulu or in mix some languages or maybe I should speak in english continuously i see you are recording okay Oh, okay. Mizongizo umoya uzon uzon humushel. Okay. Um, so, 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 the definition of financial wellness it, it says it's a good financial state of being. So that sounds like a, a normal definition. But when you go further, it's more interesting. It says it can either be an organizational, like you are together as a, as a, as a branch of a church, or it can be individual as a goal that is actively pursued so it's something that uh, can be achieved by continuously pursuing it you don't wake up and then you are actually financially well you you put certain things in place you work towards it you you apply certain disciplines and um as as abantu abakholwayo would also say that you also ask the lord to give you to give you strength to be able to see through the goals that you have 
because it is our hope and it is our conviction that for Christians, when they are financially well, it makes it easier for them. Number two, if I'm a Christian, they are financially well, uh, we are seeing more and more of uh, a confirmation so that the world can see that these are indeed God's children. Uh, we cannot be uh, calling ourselves God's children, but you know, it is important that some of the lessons that we get from the from the Word of God make it live in our, make it real in our lives and 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 have it work for us. Um, okay. So we we we, we talk about um, stewardship in our organization, uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, on this, specifically on the spiritual level. And, and one of the things that we, we say here, I've mentioned that the Bible talks about money and possessions a lot, but there is something about the 90% that we hardly talk about. So when we talk stewardship, in most cases we talk about the 10%, right? We say 10%, is God's, and we have to give it to God, um, etc. But we we don't often talk about the remaining 90%. Um, as if the remaining 90%, we can do as we please with it. As if the remaining 90%, we are not stewards of it. You know, uh, when God calls us to be stewards, he calls us to be stewards of the whole 100%. He's not calling us to be stewards of only the 10%. You know, um, because you can give the 10% uh, for the work of the Lord, but if you are not a good steward on the 90%, the 90% can destroy you. So it is important today that we, 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 actually, we actually talk about that, to say 90% is a lot more than the 10%, and uh, it can make even a bigger distraction than the 10%. That is why this afternoon we're talking more about what do we do with this 90%? And, and why are we so happy or so unhappy uh, with this 90%? Um, from a family life point of view, Bang Tumelele is told to share with you, a lot of marriages and a lot of families break down because of this 90% not being well handled. And um, whether you like it or not, uh, whether you, re you believe in surveys or not, but it is one of the subjects that keep coming on a continuous basis. Uh, certain homes do not find peace or cease to exist because of the 90%. Amongst many other reasons, um, the 90% of our wealth or of our money causes uh, a lot of problems. Um, and on, on, on a personal level, it is true that um, money well handled reduces stress. Um, maybe you may have heard a statement that says, money does not bring happiness. Have you heard somebody say that? Okay. They're not telling the truth. <laughs> okay? 
they were not telling the truth. Um, if Ngegmigeza 50,000 manje, are you not going to be happy today? Okay? So you will be happy, right? But there is some truth in what they said. Okay? Because um, if, if you are always stressed about money, you're not going to be happy. But if you are not stressed about money, if there is money to do everything that you need to do, you are going to be happier than the person who actually is always in trouble with money. That's a fact. If you go and do your blood pressure test, you'll see that the one's blood pressure is lower, the other one is higher because they are stressing and they will probably even get more sick. But there is a point where money, more money or lots of it, does not increase the level of happiness. So it gets to a point where it will make you happy or happier. But there is a point where whether you have a million rand or you have two billion rand, you're not going to be happier because you have two billion than a million. Okay? So that is why we are having this conversation today. Uguti, it is important that we first acknowledge at a personal level that money well handled does create happiness. If you figure kaya and the children want to have this, and I have saved enough for it, and I can offer that, there will be happiness in the house. You know, if I can't, there will be a bit of unhappiness. Um, and, and then the reason why I use the subjects of kids is because also there's a security element. So money does, well handled, does give an element of security and safety. You know, some of you have done psychology. Some of the basic needs of a human being you can't be happy. Okay? If you do not have security, etc., you won't be happy. But it gets to a point where what? Those things are no longer important. Things of importance, how do you make a difference to the world? You're talking about charity, you're talking about changing people's lives. So that is where the, the money then ceases to make you happier to go to the next level. On a social level, I, I, I have mentioned that I, I like to link the social with the spiritual when it comes to uh, philanthropy and charity. Uh, because I believe that you know, anyone who does something that is beyond themselves for someone else, for no particular gain, is God sent. Um, there are many people who are, who do, whom we do not have membership of in our church, or who are not even members of any church for that matter, um, who live in other countries, but who channel hundreds of millions and billions into continents uh, where they do not even have relatives. I, I, I personally do not believe uh, that, you know, those things, God does not have a hand in them. Because God is answering people's prayers with, through those people. And there's, there's a blessing that comes through that. So money well handled at a social and a, a spiritual level is able to change lives for the better. Also, at a social level, if it is not well handled, it leads to people wanting to get to get rich quick schemes and pyramid schemes. And eventually they lose even the very little that they have and end up uh, in a spiral of, of poverty and debt. Um, we, we can talk about some of the, of the things that we're going to talk about. They are just broad themes, but I'm going to try and later on 
bring it back to the personal level. But the one thing that I want to highlight at an economic level, it is true that, um, again, if we are financially well and we are led by God's spirit, we'll be able to even kickstart industries that are in line with God's will. So we, we talk about um, you know, the, the health message in our church. Um, we talk about how important it is. In fact, the world over is beginning to acknowledge that the Adventist church has got the right message in as far as healthy living is concerned. It's no debate. In fact, there are studies in the U.S. that confirm that um, a group of Adventists that, were, that, that, that have been monitored for years who live in the Loma Linda area, they are living longer on average than a typical American and a typical person in the world because of their diet that they eat. So, so the, the, those, those things we have held as some of our very strong beliefs, they are not wrong, they are, they are right. However, it is said to say that we do not have industries that actually drive that kind of behavior. So we have to go to other people and try and find healthy food from Woolies and try and find healthy food from you know, certain, certain shops. We are not the ones who are actually driving those industries. Now, uh, financial wellness allows us to create industries that can be in line with the message that we preach. And we can be able to also help people in our spheres, you know, to create economic wealth for themselves, you know, through, through those industries. And, 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 and also we can emancipate uh, the next generation. So the themes for today, depending on the time, I'm going to try and go through them pretty quickly, and you will guide me in terms of where do you want me to focus on, and maybe through your questions as well later on, you will actually say, this is where I would like to know more of. But I'm going to cover four themes. The first one I'm going to talk about is life stage planning, and I'm going to talk about investments, I'm going to talk about debt, and then I'm going to talk about insurance. Okay, those are the four themes. Um, you, you can, if 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 Kone, if you want to, you know, you can write down later on. You may have uh, some questions so that you do not forget. Okay, so life stage planning. Maybe it's a concept you've heard of, but maybe it's something that you've never heard of. Um, I guess the question that I normally ask people is. Um, how many of you have a written down life plan? How many of us have a written down life plan? Got a written down life plan? Who else has a written down life plan? Or what is a, what is a life plan? One one. You know? Um, <laughs> eh? At school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, 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 so a life plan, most of us actually have a, some sort of a, a, a life plan in our head, an idea, Guti. When I turn 25, this is what I'll do. When I turn 30, this is what I'll do. When I turn 40, when I turn 50, this is what I'm going to do. And then this is what I'm going to do when I turn 60, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, the challenge with not writing it down is that your mind will fail you at times. And when your mind fails you, you are not able to keep yourself accountable to what you had committed to. 
and the winds around you can push you from side to side. And, and you, may not end, you may end up not in the direction which you had wanted to get to. So it's important that, firstly, we have a life plan, okay? But number two, with the life plan, then you need to have your financial plan, which aligns with your life plan, which will ensure financial wellness, right? Um, we talk about benefits of planning. Um, I'm sure you can, you, you can, you can talk about, about those. Um, now, when we talk about planning and a life plan, a life plan is something that is important. However, planning is more important than a life plan. Okay? Because you could have a plan that is sitting there, but you are not continuously planning. Because what happens is that as we live our lives, things change. And you continuously have to continue planning and making sure that you realign, etc. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have, I have got some, some equation there. Because you, you may ask me a question and say, how does this whole introduction uh, talk to looking after ourselves financially and wellness? Now, people who have taken time to uh, learn, study, research the subject of, of money and assets and looked at different scenarios have come up with very concrete um, numbers and structure that can ensure that you are financially well if you live by that. Okay? Now, it's there on the bottom left-hand corner. So, I want you to think about this and, and, and maybe never forget it. If you forget everything that I'm going to tell you today, don't forget this. Okay? And tell it to the young people who are starting out working and who are getting in touch with money for the first time. And, and, and that is basically a 50, 30, 20 principle. Okay, it adds up to 100. 50, 30, 20 principle. Or 50% talks to your needs. So in, in your money that you get, whether you get 100 rand, whether you get 100,000 rand, whether you get a million rand, if you use 50% of your money for your needs, okay, and then you use 30% of your money for your wants, okay, and then you use 20% that's remaining um, as your savings and as your investments, from the time that you start working, you will be financially well. And you keep that framework for the rest of your life. You will be financially well. And I'm going to share with you why that is believed and is, has been tested as the truth. Okay? It is unfortunate that sometimes we get these messages when we are in the middle of our working careers and we have made certain mistakes. You know, but just don't forget that. Um, however, there is a way of recovering. It's not an easy way of recovering, but if you're focused and you're working towards it and you have missed the bus, 
you can actually work it back. And, 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 and we have it there as well. And, 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 and that is why we're here to give hope. Uh, we are not here to say, I, you are dustbin. You know, we are here to give hope. So there is a way of coming back. But this is how we prove this. So a story that I always tell is of three ladies, two ladies who go to university and they are very bright. So they finish their degrees in record time and at 21, they are ready to enter the working world. They are, they are, they are interns in a big corporate organization. And when they get to work, in the, during their induction week, um, a wealth planner is brought in as one of the 30-minute sessions that they have. And amongst many things that the wealth planner talks about, he talks about you know, um, just putting money away and having an emergency fund, um, talks about um, saving on a regular basis as they start working. Now, as this, these ladies, one of them is Lynn, the run in the middle, and then the other one is Uvuyo, right? So U, U, U Stanley is their wealth, a wealth planner. And you can see U Lynn, U Stanley is talking to them, but she's on her phone. She's thinking about the date uh, with her boyfriend later on that day, you know? Um, so she forgets about the discussion. But Uvuyo, you know, actually starts. She takes a thousand rand. You know, she commits to saving it into like a, an equities-based portfolio. I forget Payana is investor shares of different companies, uh, a stock exchange, right? And she contributes a thousand rand. Life continues. They continue working. They get promotions, etc. Vuyo goes into the uh, finance space, and then uh, Ulin into business development, etc. Um, I'm not trying to say that people who are financially uh, educated or professional, they are the ones who will make sound decisions. But, but it so happened, Gutu Vuyo is also into finances. So she continues contributing. And then we meet them at 31. At 31, um, there's a work function, etc. And, uh, you know, they start chatting. And uh, they say, no, we want to go on a holiday and wada, 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 wada. And then Uvio says, hey, by the way, you remember when we started working? Remember that guy? Who was his name again? Stanley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I put money away. Actually, I've put like over 120,000, give or take. You know, so I've got some money this day, you know. And then Ulin saying, Ish, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't save the money. So I'm actually going to take a loan for us to go on holiday. Wada, 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 you know. But then uh, we talk talks her out of it. Say no, no, no. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should postpone the holiday, etc., and, and so forth. But then Ulin starts saving from that point of view, from that time on. What we see, Uvuyo actually, if she stops saving from that point, and they continue with their lives, the end result that you find is that. So. You meet them at the age of 65, where they retire. Ulin has built 4.2 million. Uvuyo has built 7.3 million. But Uvuyo stopped at, 30, at 31. Okay? Ulin started at 31, and she saved right until 65. Okay? But still, Uvuyo has got more money than Ulin. Okay? 
Um, so I'm not going to get into that. But all, all, all I'm saying is that the, the, the reason for this um, is, is the one at the top. That, that statement was written by uh, Isaac Einstein, as they say. You know, one of the most brilliant people in the world. Oti, there's a power of compound interest. So interest on interest. That is what worked for me. You know? Uti, yeah, and this is a very profound statement. He says, those people who understand compound interest, they earn it. Those who do not understand compound interest, they pay it. So how do you pay compound interest? You pay through debt. How you earn it? You earn it through investing. Okay? So you, you must decide whether you want to be the one who earns it because you understand it, or you want to be the one who pays it because you don't understand it. Because on the one side, there's wealth. On the other side, there's poverty. And, and, and we need to make that decision. But there are some, obviously, there are, there are, a, number of, um, there are a number of lessons that you learn out of that. Uh, the number of lessons that you learn is that it's never too early to start. There's a Chinese proverb, 80, uh, the best time to plant a tree is when? Was 20 years ago. This was the best time to plant a tree. Okay? And then it says, the next best time to plant a tree is when? It's today. Okay? So if you missed the 20 years ago, you need to start planting the tree today. It is interesting, Oguti, if obviously Uvuyo had not, uh, you know, stopped to contribute, you know, and continue to contribute, obviously she would have what she has, as well as what Wulin has. So she would have about 11 or 12 or million. And then, and, then, and then what is interesting as well is that Uvuyo only contributed 120,000 rand at a return of 10% annually for the duration of the time. Uh, Ulin on the other side, you know, she actually contributed 300,000 rand more. So she contributed about 420,000 rand more. 420,000 total. Um, you know, that's the power of compound interest and the power of time. So if you are young and you are younger, you know, you know, I heard some people whose voices are breaking here. Um, it's, it's important to, to start as early as possible. This is a message we should tell our young people who start working. You know, instead of telling them to go and buy, you know, the, the nicest car or live in the fanciest place, we should tell them to start building the world for themselves and not to forget the 50, 30, 20. They're going to be happy. Because what it does, that, that framework, what it does is it limits you to say, if I have 10,000 rand, I cannot be paying more than 5,000 rand out of my needs. Okay? But at the same time, because I work, I need to have certain things that I, I enjoy. So if I need to go with my singing group or I need to go with my friends to Cape Town or whatever the case may be, I must do it on the 30%. Okay? But at the same time, I cannot be doing all of these things without saving for the rainy day and for the future, which is the 20%. So that framework is critical for anyone who handles money, you know, whose money that comes to their hand. Because otherwise, what happens is that we end up, firstly, I start working. It would have been a better thing for me to actually share with my friend a flat 
you know, and pay less. But what do I do? I go and pay for the most expensive flat in Centen and stay by myself. And I have two bedrooms that I really don't need, you know. And then what happens that's in the framework of this, the one that we've created, I end up using this, a place to stay is a need. But I end up spending 80% or 70% on the need. I still have to have transport, which is a need. I still have to have food, which is a need. But then my need starts getting to 70, 80%. Then I still have wants, right? I still have to go out with my friends and have dinners and go and watch movies, etc. By the time we get to savings, there's nothing left. You know, so a framework is very, very important. Um, I, I'm going to go to debt quickly. And, and Mrs. Um, Zandile was part of the conversation that we had in Sensen Church around debt. So debt, I mean, we can have a full workshop on debt, just on debt alone. You know, I actually have a presentation, a full-on presentation on debt. You can have that. But, but debt, just to be quick, I mean, debt is something that from the Bible, I can quote you verses in the Bible that talks about the fact that you have debt from Proverbs. If you have debt, you are a slave to the person that you're indebted to. You know, it, you're not just owing the money. You are a slave to them. You know, Ellen G. White talks about uh, people should run away from debt. Um, some quotations talk about smallpox, which was a big issue at the time. But some quotations say you must run away from debt as you would from leprosy, you know, because of how bad it is. So when you talk about debt, because we try to be practical as well in these conversations, it's important to know that there are two types of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay, so I will not stand in front of you and say all debt is bad. I can prove to you that some debt is actually not too bad. Okay, um, so so so, but let me start with bad debt. Okay, let me start with bad debt. Bad debt is the one that you pay huge interest on it, but your asset is not appreciating in value. Okay. You, you pay huge interest in it, but your assets are not appreciating in value. So what debt is that? Your credit cards, your store cards, your personal loans, your loan sharks, all of those. That's bad debt. You know why? Because you can't, if, if you think it's good, you can it. Okay? It's good to have value. You know? It's a cooker, and then if I think it's good to food. But getting cocky interest on the suit. Now, that's not good debt. And, and it's called Sakona. They're actually quite high in the interest rates. They're about 27, 30% if you actually use the, the, the interest rates that they charge. Unsecured debt is bad. And unsecured debt is as a result of us not following that framework. Because if we were saving enough, if we were using enough for our wants and our wants for enough for our needs, we wouldn't need to actually buy uh, things like clothing on debt, okay? Um, let me quickly talk about uh, uh, some good debt, okay? Good debt is, um, so some of you have been to university, right? And, and some of you were not born in very wealthy families. But when you're at university, there's something that the government gives you. It's called UNESFAS. So they give you a loan 
for you to study. Okay? Not ideal that you study with a loan. However, there's more evidence, not just in South Africa, but worldwide, that if you get a study loan and you study and you pass, it's good debt. Okay? The reason why the argument is that it's good debt, because in SFAS, firstly, if you look at NESFAS, you don't get charged huge interest. That's the first thing. Some of it, it's actually subsidized. So if you pass, they grant it to you as a bursary. So you actually, it, you, it goes down the loan that you have. Number three, when you graduate, you are much more valuable than somebody who has not graduated. So the kind of job and the salary that you're going to command when you get into the workplace is going to be higher than somebody who did not graduate. So you will be able to pay that money off very quickly with the salary that you will be earning when you are a graduate versus not being a graduate. So if I have two students here or two people who have passed matric, I cannot sit in front of them and say, no, debt is bad. Don't take NASFAS for education. Okay? I will be leading them astray. If there's no money really in the family, NASFAS study for education, it's not bad debt because it will change your life. In South Africa, we talk about unemployment to the rate of 27.5% uh, official unemployment rate uh, and unofficial un unemployment rate at 40%. If you, if, you, if you drill down to the unemployment rate of South Africa, what it tells you is that people who are graduates, their unemployment rate is lower than the people who are who have not completed metric for a start, and for people who actually have not graduated. So an unemployment ratio, rate on graduates, it's probably between 10% or below, whereas unemployment rates for people who have not studied is higher. Okay, That is why you get averages. So that's the first thing when you talk about good debt and bad debt. Second one is, is a home loan. So a home loan is not bad debt, provided you have made sure that your repayments of your home loan, they are part of that 50%, which is what? Your necessities. Okay? The moment you actually overexert yourself and you buy a house that is way bigger than that particular for 50, 30, 20, then you're asking for trouble. Okay? Also, the reason why a home loan is not a bad debt is because a home or property by its nature, as you pay down the debt, the house itself is appreciating in value. Okay? So, so I, when I go to the debt presentation, I can show you the actual numbers in rents and cents. Oguti, what happens to your home loan in 20 years? So if you take, let's say, for example, a home for 500,000 rand that you buy, when you start working, you start working at 25, you buy a house for 500,000 rand, you pay it for 20 years until you are 45, all right? At 45, what happens is that you have settled that bond, okay? Yes, you have paid 1.2 million, okay? But the value of that house will be worth about 5.2 million. You, you get what I'm saying? If it's growing at 5% per annum. So you have an asset 20 years later that is worth 5 million odd. Whereas, if you had sat down and said, you know what, I'm not even going to take, firstly, where, where are you going to stay? You're going to pay rental. If you're paying rental and you pay less, it's fine. 
but then you must be saving enough to be able to buy your house cash at, at, at a particular time when you buy cash. The second thing that we normally say about home loans is that if you follow that framework that I spoke about, there's something called bonuses when you work and some monies that come as windfalls, okay? Maybe you've overspent on your tax and SARS refund you. What you then do is you take some of that money and you also use the 50, 20, 30 split. Take some of that money off from your bonus and throw it into your home loan. Then you, what you will find is that what could have taken you 20 years to pay, you paid off in 10 years. Now, if you paid off in 10 years, you are no longer paying that 1.2 million. You are now paying 700,000 or 650,000 for a 500,000 loan. But your value over 10 years, 20 years, of 5.2 million still is an asset that you have. What do you do after seven, 10 years? You actually go and buy another house. This one starts giving you what? Rental. You give it to someone else to pay you now, and they pay rental to you, and then you, you start another one. And then that's how you create wealth, and you become wealthy as you get older. The last one, second last one. Okay, business loan. I'm not going to get into, into business loans that much. It, it has got a lot of intricacies. But, but uh, let's talk about car finance. Um, car finance is, a, a again, it's a tricky one because uh, in South Africa specifically, you know, sometimes you may find that where you work and where you stay, it's actually quite far apart. And um, I'll give you maybe a personal example, my, my own personal example. I, I don't like to talk about personal examples a lot. But when I started working, I, I lived at a place, at my home, rather. I was staying at home when I started working. Where I worked, I had to take two taxis to get to work. So what it meant is that, one, it takes me a long time commuting. But at the same time, I was studying. So I needed to actually be at home early enough from work so that I could rest, sleep, wake up at night, study, so that I could get, get myself progressing. So having a car saved me at least two hours of commuting a day. Okay? I'm just giving that as an example. It might work, it might not work. But in South Africa, you have bad transport in certain places. So a car may be something that is actually of value for you to have, but you do not have money to actually buy it. What do you do? What you do is you make sure that you use the 50, 30, 20 again. If it's a necessity for your job, if your job, for an example, is a business development, like Ulin, you are a business development consultant, you know, they're not going to give you a job without a car. You know, and, 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 and you need to buy it. You've, Finance it, but make sure that you don't finance the most expensive car that's going to go beyond the 50, because 50 is now your necessities. You know, stick to that framework here, 50. It might mean that the place that you live in, you reduce, make sure that you fit everything within the 50, and then as your salary increases and as your wealth increases, then you can actually be able to grow with what you can afford. But it all sits there. And also what happens is, if you are saving, you're going to have some money that you have for your immediate needs, uh, me, uh, medium-term goals, and the long-term goals. If you have a tire burst, for an example, it is easy for you to have dip into your money for your emergency and fix your tire in your car. 
than actually not saving the 20% because sometimes owning a car, we forget that it's not just paying for the installment. You know, it's, it, there are many other things that comes with owning a car, and that's why you need to have always a kitty and you have to have a leeway. But all I'm saying is that you, you, it's high caution. It's easy for me to stand in front of you and say to you, you know what, actually save until you have enough money and buy the car cash. But I also try to be realistic so that you can actually be able to uh, maximize without overextending yourself. Okay? Remember the framework. Okay? And then the last piece that I'm going to talk to you about um, is insurance. Right? When I talk about insurance, the reason why I talk about insurance, and then you're going to guide me to say what do you want me to focus on uh, and through your questions. This is the, the, the second last slide. Insurance, whether it be home, whether it be your own life, whether it be your health, when I say health, I include medical aid, etc. Uh, insurance, whether it's for your possessions, uh, insurance, whether it is for your, for your business or whatever the case may be. Insurance is very, very important. Okay? Um, the reason why insurance is important is because insurance ensures that you don't find yourself in pitfalls that you did not expect. Okay, so your premiums form part of your necessities. Because this is what happens in real life. You know, if I buy myself a car, okay, let's say I bought it cash. Because we like to talk about, uh, no, I don't need insurance, I bought my car cash. No, you're not insuring the car because you owe the bank. You insure the car because it's your asset. <laughs> so, so, so I buy my car cash, and I don't insure it. Okay? Say it's worth 700,000 rand. So not very far from here. Uh, it was in 2001, I think. I just arrived in Joburg. And um, there's a road called Greystone Drive there. I had gone across. There was a game that was here in Weinberg back in the day, who came. I'd gone there to buy myself pots because of where I lived, uh, for me to cook, for my, yeah, where I used to share a room with my friend. Or, uh, uh, I'd come and switch it this thing. I was driving my nice, uh, uh, stinking polo classic. <laughs> and, um, and as I was driving across that bridge, I remember quite clearly, so I stop at the traffic light and as, as I take off, I'm looking at this car that is in front of me. When I, when I lifted my eyes like this, there was a truck right here next to me. It's a, this guy, had, his brakes had failed. He was coming from Midrand, and he had off-ramped on Graystein Drive. And, and, and instead of stopping there at the traffic light, on the bridge, I mean, I'm crossing to Sentin, okay? I'm right on the mid middle of the intersection. He came through. He hit me straight. I almost, if it wasn't for that railing, I was going to go over to the M1, yeah. okay? So one of the things that happened, split second, God is good. I'm standing in front of you. I'm alive, <laughs> okay? But that car was written off, okay? It was written off. So it was my first year in Johannesburg. I mean, I needed the car to do my work. My work required a car. So if I did not have insurance, what it meant would have been that asset would have been gone. Now I would have had to go into debt. So fortunately, that car at the time was, it was not owing. But 
It was still insured. So I was able to get another one, and I was able to continue with my work. You know? So what, what I'm trying to say is that insurance can actually cause you to be poor. Or rather, not having insurance can cause you to be poor without you planning, because these things happen. It's life. You know? The other piece is about life insurance. So I spoke about a car and possessions. But there's crime. You can talk about possessions, right? But there's life insurance as well. It doesn't mean that if you are young, you actually should not have life insurance. So most of you also are business people. You want to become, you, you, you're actually starting out your business. You've got your family and you look after them, etc. Um, your greatest asset is your health. Okay? So the biggest risk you can take is to actually hope that you will always have health and nothing will happen to you. But you've got children, you've got a wife, or you've got a husband, and you've got children. What if something happens to you? You know, these people now need the, the money to be able to actually live. Or even yourself, you could be disabled. So taking insurance like income protector to make sure that it protects your income is something that's critical. It's actually not even that expensive because it depends on how much you want to cover. You know, if you are earning 20,000 rand, you can cover 20,000. If you're earning 100,000, you can cover 100,000. So that if you cannot work for two, three, four months because of injury or, or ill health, then, you know, your cover kicks in and it can also make sure that the, the children can still go to school. Children are the same. So, so what, what it does, what insurance does is it, it, it caters for the, the uncertainties. You know, health insurance, medical aid, very, very important. Even if sometimes it can be very expensive medical aid, but worst case scenario, if you are earning some sort of a consistent income, look at having maybe a hospital plan so that you can actually at least get, you know, paying three, four hundred rand, you can be insured to be able to get um, a private uh, hospitalization, you know, in the event that something happens to you. Because sometimes, our public hospitals are not at the right level. So sometimes even if it's something small that could be fixed, you know, because of the waiting and because of things that are not available in the public hospitals, you can lose your life, you know, and there's nothing that's more valuable than your life, to, specifically not to you, but even to people that are dependent on you, you know. So, so, so when you talk about insurance in line with wealth management and, 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 and uh, financial wellness, think about it. We love God, and God loves us. However, if God has given us an opportunity to earn some money and to have some money, let's look after the 90% so that when things happen, God can say, you know what, that 90% was well looked after by my good steward. Um, yeah, so, so, so this is my closing slide. Just to remind you that um, the Bible talks a lot about money and possessions. There's a reason why it talks about money and possessions. Money can lead you astray properly. Um, but also, without knowledge, people perish. So if you do not have the right knowledge in terms of how to use it and how to look after it, you may not be able to, 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 to live a happy life and you may not be able to drive um, things of importance, of importance. So we talk about... Um, even in the church, there are a lot of people who, who need help with certain things, you know. However, 
A lot of Christians cannot help today because they themselves are struggling. You know, so there is a. Um, I like this 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 thing. When you get on the plane, you know they always say on the plane, and this is why we're having these talks, by the way. When you get on the plane before the plane takes off, there's something that they say all the time, and and it may, it reminds me that it's it's time for prayer. Um, when they say, uh, in the unlikely event of a loss of oxygen on the plane, uh, the oxygen masks are going to drop. And when they drop, make sure that you, you put it around your head and, and breathe normally. And thereafter, you can help someone who's next to you. Don't try and help someone before you assist yourself. Because if you try and help someone before you assist yourself, what could happen is that you could faint, and the person you're trying to assist may also not be helped. Both of you will die. You know, it's like uh, it's like it's like swimming. When somebody is drowning, and you don't know how to swim, don't go and try and help them. Call for someone who can swim. Call for a lifeguard because in Zofanobabil, you know, rather afeyetwa when usind. Okay, but you call the lifeguard. Because if you go and try and help them and you can't swim, now we're going to have two deaths when we could have had one or we could have had none by actually calling a lifeguard or somebody who knows how to swim and then help the person that is sinking. So the reason why we have these workshops is so that you can be the ones now who are knowledgeable, who are the ones who are safe, so that you can help others for them also to be okay. okay? Because imagine if we had a church that had 90% of our people who are financially well, who are handling their financial well. And we had 10% of the people who probably are struggling or whatever the case may be. The 90% can easily help the 10%. And then we'll be able to, to carry forward the mission. Uh, may God richly bless you. And, and, and I'll, I'll open the house for, for questions and maybe a, an area of specification that you would like me with any focus on the themes that we tried uh, to cover. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll confirm, Aleo. <laughs> why, why, why do you find it so important to confirm that? Uh, that, that is what we are talking about, because remember, we are talking about money that is there for your disposal. Yeah, it's for, it's for you to, for your, to your disposal to actually use. You cannot, add, you cannot add tax to that money because it's not yours. You're still going to give it to you. You know, if there's no, there's, you cannot add money that you have confirmed uh, for the church in terms of tithing into that. Uh, you cannot, you know, that is like, that's not your money. It's already claimed by Caesar and, and claimed by God. <laughs> we talk about the balance, the 90%. How do you manage that 90% that, that comes into your pocket? So, so, so debt is, is very interesting. So debt is very interesting because um, there is good debt and there is bad debt. So unfortunately, if you are already in debt, 
which is a question you did not ask. Um, if you are already in debt, there is a process which we can guide you in terms of how do you actually get out of debt. You know, because that is as a result probably of not looking after the 50, 20, 30, or 50, 30, 20, right? Then, then you've got debt. Now, let's say you've got some debt, you know, clothing debt. Like I said, there's, there's good debt, there's acceptable debt, there's really bad debt. Okay, so what do you want to attack first? You want to attack the bad debt first. So which is a, debt, a bad debt? Is the one that has the highest interest rates, the one that is unsecured, your credit card, your personal loans, etc. That you want to squeeze and kill as soon as possible. So um, government of South Africa has been very good in terms of uh, putting in place things to assist people out of debt because there was a realization that most of people get into debt just because they just didn't know. They don't understand the concepts of debt. Some people grew up knowing that if any nature, you have to actually buy it on higher purchase. You know? And, and then they, they just continue like that. And, and, and a lot of people got into debt like that. And that's why the government came up with um, you know, a process of going through debt counseling if you, you are in debt, where you make arrangements with your bigger creditors. So let's say you owe house, car, uh, and then you have credit card, personal loans, uh, store cards, etc. So what you do is, because you're paying big installments on these ones, but their interest rates are lower. That's another thing I didn't say earlier. Secured debt. The reason why we say it's better debt, specifically on the housing, the interest rate is normally lower than the other debt. Okay? Why is it lower? Because the risk is lower for the financier. So that for the bank, the risk is lower. Because if you fail to pay, the bank will take the, the asset. So, so they charge you less. So you negotiate with these guys because you're paying them, let's say, a lot of money. So maybe out of the 50% in our new framework, right? it's a new framework, man. In our 50%, you're paying a chunk of it, 40% or 45% is going to these guys. Okay? The house, the cars, et cetera. Okay? So you negotiate with them. You say, guys, I've got this other debt. Okay? And I want to actually settle it. I'm going to continue paying you, but I must first settle these ones. So what you do is you go into the debt counseling program and you pay them less than what they're supposed to pay them on a monthly basis. You don't run away from them. You become upfront, you show them your whole situation and, and you can work out to say, this month, these three months, if I take most of the money that I'm supposed to give you and pay these guys, I can settle them. Okay? And then when you settle them, what you do is then you do not run away. You take the money that you're paying these guys and then you pay these guys and then you recover again. But then you have saved yourself a lot of interest because these ones were bleeding your interest. So by settling them quickly, you are actually dropping your interest rates that you were paying. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a let me see if I can find this presentation, um, which I talk about when I talk about debt. Um, it, might, it might give you a very clear sense of what we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> no. Um, okay. So this is it. So 
И... I think it's still picking up the signal there. For some reason, it's... You can work on it. So, so what you'll find is that for, for homes, you may find that you're paying like prime plus one, prime plus two. So your interest rate is probably like 10% or something. You know, whereas if you have, and for your cars, you'll find that your interest rate is like maybe 11%, 12%. Okay? Prime plus three or whatever. Right? For your personal loans and cards, etc., you'll find that it's prime plus 13%. You know, it's 25%. It's, it's huge. It's huge. So what you do is if you, if you take the money from prime plus 2% and settle the prime plus 13%, your, what you pay on a monthly basis is actually less when you come this side. You find that you actually have got more money to actually go into the 20 and, and to the to the to the five to the to the to the 30. Um, the other thing which is a controversial one, I'm gonna put it on the table. It's a controversial one. And some people say, should I save first? Should I should I actually settle the debt first, etc.? Okay. The bad debt, it is not clever to actually say I'm saving and investing if you've got a lot of bad debt where you are paying 27%, 30%, etc. Because there is no, you're not going to find a, a savings or an investment vehicle that's going to give you 27 or 30%. Okay? So, so you are paying that compound interest we're talking about. So the advice is squash that debt quickly and get out of the bad debt before you even start saving, squash it quickly. But the okay debt, don't wait until you settle your house before you start saving, because it could be a long time. And as you have seen, the power of compounding says that the later you start, the less money you'll have in the end. So you need to actually make sure that you, whilst you are paying for your for your good debt, your house, or maybe your car if you need it for working, and it's, it's within the metric need, but you are saving as well. Because what that does, it does two things. One, it ensures that you have saved for a long time, so you earn interest on interest, right? So when you settle your house, your house becomes also an asset that you add onto this. I was going to show you here what happens later on when you have two properties, and how do you transition from working to retirement. Uh, with your actual with your actual properties and your and and, and your wealth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 what happens is um, there's an example that we, we use here. Yeah. So 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 there's an example that we use um, of 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 someone who the cable. Okay. So, so, so we, there's an example that we make, which I used earlier, but uh, we use a different figure there, um, of 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 somebody who buys a house at 25 years of age, okay, and then they don't pay it off uh, sooner than 20 years. So the the bank tells them 20 years, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Thank you, thank you, sir. Okay, this one is about debt, right? So, so there's a car there. 
average price of 750,000 at 12.5% interest. Um, and, and that car, we use an average because when you start working, you, when, you, when, you, when you start working, you start, probably you're buying a car that's worth 100 or 150, 200,000. I don't know how much cars cost these days. But then, you know, as you, as you continue to earn money, you actually buy a more expensive car and a more expensive car. And, and that 750 eventually becomes lower. You end up buying a car that's more expensive than that as you get it to the end. So if you keep that debt for the long period of time, what happens is that there's money that you keep paying to the bank on an ongoing basis. But there, in the middle, there's a home loan. Now, that's the story I was talking about. Um, can you lift it up a little bit so that we can see the bottom part of the, of the presentation? There are lines that we're not seeing there. Okay, yeah, they're starting to come through. The 14 down, down there. Okay, so if you look at the house, so this guy buys a house for 2 million rand um, at, 20, at 25. Um, and, then, and then at 45, eventually he's paid off this, this house home loan pays his final installment, but then he has a fully paid up house. When he has a fully paid up house, he does not, he, he, he decides, okay, let me buy a second house, okay? Whether he takes rental on the other one or not, but he, he, then he buys a second house and of two million again, okay? Or let's argue and say, at that time, two million is probably a flat, okay? Because when he starts at two million, that is probably a house. Then he, he keeps the house, he stays in it, and then he settles it. And then when he turns to 45, he buys a flat for two million at that time. Then, then that flat, obviously, he pays for it for another 20 years. At 65, he's got two properties, both fully paid. Okay? Children are out of the house. Okay? 65 now, right? Children are out of the house. He's been working for 40 years. He doesn't need a big house anymore. Look at what he now has. The house that he bought when he started working, that's why I was talking about good debt and bad debt. It's now worth 14 million rand because it was growing at 5% every year, the appreciation the eye. But the one that he bought when he was 45, now it grew at 5%, but you know, it's worth 5.3 million, which is a smaller house. So he can actually, or she can actually graduate into the retirement place. So they can use the second house, which is the smaller house, that's worth 5.3 million, as a place for retirement. Or sell it and buy into a retirement estate or retirement village. That's the one they can use for retirement. They can take that 14 million rand and top it up to their retirement savings. You know? And that way, they actually have got what? A lot of wealth that can carry them into retirement. They can eat from those fruits at retirement because now they're retiring at work. They give them a check for a, a pension. I'm going to talk about that. And that's another important thing. They give him a check here, pension at work, and then he sells that other house for 14 million, tops it into the check here, pension, maybe we'll send at 20 million, and then they can live on that interest into their golden years. So they do not have. But that is, again, I'm re-emphasizing the point of saying buying a property, even if you are buying it on loan, it's not a bad debt. Okay? 
Now, you could even have a better scenario than that one where you settle that home loan in 10 years because you use some of your bonuses to top it up there. What it means is that you could even retire with three properties. Okay? Then you've got a bigger epica. Talk about pensions. When we resign, changing jobs, most of the time we cash that money and we take it. That's the most catastrophic thing you can ever do because you are erasing all the benefits that you've your head of compounding and value of compounding. You are actually now be, uh, becoming a person who's starting from scratch. Now, if you t cash your money at my age, so I'm 40 now. So if you cash your money at 40, it's like you're starting to work again at 40. Now, how are you going to have enough money at retirement at 60? Yeah, at 60 now. At 60, that is going to carry you until you are 80 on 85. It's not going to be enough. Then I have to go and wait for Cyril Ramaphosa who sang as a grant. But that grant is not enough as well. Yeah, everyone? So that's, that's it. There was a hand somewhere. We're going to come to that. There was a hand. Yes. We won't, we won't look around. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I think I, 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 that was the question, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, it's, it's a reality, right? It's a reality, Yoguti. Um, you know, Nemsebenz, sometimes I echo that great, you know, and all of those things. Um, I mean... How about that So, 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 so... So, I'm not here to deal family matters. I'm not here to deal family matters, but... But, but, but let me tell you, there, there, is, there is value in what you are saying. Um, when uh, I did mention, when I started working, I worked for a very, very clever man. Okay? I'll share two stories of two very clever men that I've worked with. Uh, one of them at that time was, was, was my boss. He was actually my boss's boss. But he took a keen interest in me. He said, hey, young man, you seem to be... Doing, doing some good things here at work. You know, you're working hard. Where are you from? No, no, no. Okay, you're a caller. Yes, yes. So, 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 so what he said is, is exactly that. He says, in my family, when you start working and earning in it, and you are living in my family, um, you pay. You pay 20% of your salary. Okay? <laughs> okay. Okay, and, 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 and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm not saying that it's the gospel truth. You know, that is what he said. But, but there's, there's some wisdom in that. The wisdom in that is, even though it's very little, it's not 50% that you need for your necessities. 
it's 20. So they, they are doing two things. You are benefiting the family, okay? But also you are benefiting the person because they are, they are learning. You are giving them a soft lending to the 50%. Yeah. Because when they live on their own, they go to 50%. Yeah. And it's painful. I, I lived through it, you know? And, and, and my parents were down in Durban, and I had to come here. So there was no, like, soft lending. Poof, hard lending. So, so, so it's, it's very painful to actually move from zero to 50. But if you have been paying 20 every month, it's, actually, it's not even what you are spending, Jambula. But it, it also teaches you that muscle of starting to have that framework. Other parents may be actually okay, you know, and say, my son or my daughter, I'm happy for you not to pay. Now, this is now the second wise man that I saw. With him, he was very particular, though, that you don't pay me, but I want to see the investment. So the reason why I'm making you stay here in my house, I'm setting you up. So instead of saving 20%, I want to see you saving 40%. You know, 40% must go into your savings because I know if you do that, you're going to be well off later on. You'll never have a problem. So things like cars and flats, you will walk out of my house, you'll probably buy a car or a house cash. So the debt that we're talking about there, that's good debt and better, that doesn't even affect you. So that is actually starting to give to your children, you know, if you have done well, if you can afford to say, no, I don't. Because you see, the, the other thing, which is also true, the older you get, is that if you don't downscale early enough and start saving that money and prepare for your official retirement, something has got to give if we would see the next egg is not big enough. So it might mean that when you stop working, your income that you earn is going to be less than what you were earning whilst you were working. So I think those are the things. They need to be done with the calculator. They need to be done with projections. Cannot, when it comes to money, you cannot live on hope. Okay? You sit down with somebody who's skilled in this. You calculate it. You put a plan to it. It's written down. It's calculated. You check it on a half-yearly basis. You sit down. You look at it and see whether it's, it's moving in the right direction or not. You know, hope is not, is not the solution. Hope is not... There's a colleague of mine likes to say, hope, hope is not the strategy. <laughs> You were saying Yeah, so 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 there's a a huge thing around housing, where do you buy the house, etc. And I think you need good advice again around where do you buy a house and where do you invest in property. And you also need good advice as to when do you walk away from certain properties. So there are normally telltale signs that the place you have invested in is not moving in the right direction. So don't hold on to it because you're saying you want to get to the end and pay it in full. You can actually sell it and buy another place in a different place where you feel that the, 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 the value is increasing. One of the rules that I always share with people around buying property, I have passion for property, is, is that you must buy the cheapest house in the most expensive suburb. 
Don't buy the most beautiful house in the cheapest suburb. Buy the smallest one, the cheapest one, the ugliest one, but in the best suburb. Then you will have invested well. When the property prices go up, yours grows faster than everyone else in that suburb. And when they crash, the property prices crash, yours crashes last to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to invest in property, you want to squeeze yourself, go and buy a property in Sandhurst, but buy the smallest one in Sandhurst. <laughs> then you'll, you, you, you'll be doing okay. <laughs> you'll be doing okay. Okay, there was a question that side. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So the question she was asking, she asked a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I, there's a lot from where those questions come. They are individual questions. They are collective questions. They are questions around how do we create wealth for ourselves. There's a question around collectively creating wealth. And I think for me, those are very important questions now. Um, the first thing that I'd like to share with you is that um, I am not a big fan of a dog fail, right? I'm not a big fan of a dog fail. However, I respect a dog fail. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think there is something around a dog that is really, really great. Because what a dog do is they keep everybody honest. And, and they keep you accountable to other people to contribute towards a particular goal. You know, the one thing that I always advise people of our skin color is that it's time now that we actually talk about those type of dog fails. Don't see dog fellas of taking gross at the end of the year. You know, we need to talk about the dog fella of buying assets that are generating income. Okay? So I'm starting to answer you from, from the last question. Okay, um, but the first thing is around, you know, how do you actually, let's say the, pol the property is paid up. Let me even give you a better scenario. You don't have to wait for the property to be paid up. Okay, so if you look at, for an example, in Sentin, between Sentin and the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, if you buy a one-bedroom house or flat or townhouse, it will cost you anything between 450000 and 900000 Okay? This is what it will cost you. If you look at rentals for a one-bedroom flat or a house in the northern parts of Johannesburg, it will cost you anything between 5,500 rand and 12,000 rand. Okay? So, so that's, that's, the, that's the play there. So... Let's say you are living in your house and your house is paid up. Um, what do you do 
is you actually buy another, you buy a, a, a one-bedroom place. I'm talking about you as an individual, okay? You buy a one-bedroom place, like we said, the cheapest one in the best suburb. You buy it, maybe you buy it on auction. They are very hard to find on auction, though. You can buy a pressed sale, you buy it. But because you are used to paying a big bond, right, you can actually start to pay some of it, and then you get a tenant. If your tenant, let's say, is paying 5,500, and the bond in there is probably 6,000 rand, and you see that your tenant is already paying 90% of your, your bond in that, in that house. So what you take some of your money, you load it onto that property. Normally, the break-even point between levies and rates of those type of properties is at a debt to, 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 to value ratio of 75%. So when that property is owing 75% of its value, normally your tenant can actually pay for your bond as well as your rates and as well as levies. Now you have a property that somebody else is paying for. When you are there at that level, guess what you do? Go to the second one. And then you do exactly that same thing. Every three years, you can actually have another one that you add on top. And then before you know it, by the time you get to retirement, you've got 10, 11 of them. You sell them or you keep them and they pay you. And you give, if you've got two sons like me, you give one to the first son to say, this is your starter pack. Don't come here and worry me again. <laughs> you give the second one, the sec another one, and say, this is your starter pack. Don't come and worry me again. <laughs> Go and look up. Those kind of things. But, but those are the kind of discussions that are actually level two. To say, once we have fixed the stuff we we're talking about, what are the beauties and the joys of the next level? Is that you actually start to give wealth to the next generation. You know, because unfortunately, with our people, we inherit we inherit more debt and poverty than inheriting wealth and growth. And we need to change the cycle. To these guys that are growing up, the messages that we are sharing today, let's give them an opportunity to implement these things as young as they are so that they can actually give their, the next generation a better, a better outcome. Did I, did I cover all your questions? Which one did I not cover? Mm. Yes. As a church. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think there's, a, yeah, there's danger in the church um, of uh, using the money that you have generated uh, to generate more money. Um, the danger is this, is that you are actually taking the church and making it a business. Now, by its nature, the church is not set up to be a business. A church is set up to be a, a charity organization, a, a, an organization for good, you know, um, where you make certain decisions out of your heart because they are the right decisions for that situation. So the money that's in the church is normally for helping, okay? However, um, it does not stop you 
from taking, for an example, a position as a church. A position that says what? That says, this money is sitting here and it's redundant, okay? And we do, we're not using it, okay? Um, another person would ask a question. I, I, there are so many needs out there. Why are you not using it? But anyway, <laughs> but that's not the issue. You can take a position that says, we actually are going to um, buy a particular property, okay? And that property, what we'll do is we'll use the rental from there to actually um, take care of the running cost of the church, for an example, okay? But why do you buy a property? Because the property gives you income, rental income, but also it appreciates in value, you know? So whereas if you put it away, you may get the appreciation in value, but you may not get income per se. You know, so, so those are the things that you, you can do. I would, I would caution against it. Um, in my very long life, I have seen a lot of churches breaking apart and because of, 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 of money issues. Um, and, and the reason for that is uh, what brings us here is normally uh, the blood of, of Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I'll say this anyway, all of a sudden, we actually end up seeing other things that we can do together, which is okay. I can go into business with the, my fellow brother here, etc. But when we go to business, we must be very clear about the fact that, one, between us, what do we bring into that business? Two, who is the majority shareholder between me and him? Who makes which decisions and who doesn't make it? Business is very different to church. You know, church is about the niceness of all of us. We vote in a business meeting. Whether the decision is right or the decision is wrong, all of us have an equal vote, you know, etc. Unfortunately, business is not like that. Business is about who put more money into this venture, and the person who put more money into this venture must have a bigger say. And and if you know that's 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 the only challenge, the advice that I would give against it, or I'll caution against it. Yeah. They are parenting you. <laughs> well, besides parenting you, after, after, after this experience, you Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, 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 so. No, look, look, look. I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good question, um, and we need to answer it correctly, because uh, it's, 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 it, it, it. I know it goes, it goes so bad that people actually take huge penalties to withdraw all of this money. Now, the, the unfortunate situation about this scenario is that one can argue that that individual uh, has not, has never firstly held an 8 million rand in their bank account. Okay? So that's dangerous. So you give somebody 8 million rand who has never held even 2 million in their account. Do you know what happens in their mind? They think that 8 million is a lot of money. And they start thinking that 8 million will never end. You know? But guess what happens? In two years' time, that person is in debt already. They've spent the whole eight million. They don't know how they spent it. And, 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 and at that time, they now don't even have the 8,000 that the government was going to give them on a monthly basis. Now they don't have food. Now they have to be given food by their children or asking for But they've been working all their lives. Now, that is the reality. Okay? If you don't believe me, Check people who have won a lot of, even more than that. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that subject. Now, the second thing that probably that person has not considered is this thing called tax. Now, it looks like a great thing called 8 million, but wait until you are taxed 35% of that 8 million. Because you don't get that 8 million as is. There's that guy called Tito Bowen. Finance minister and the co and the tax commissioner, they will go. They will charge you that 2.8 million So what you thought was 8 million is no longer 8 million. It's actually now 4.4.2 million. Okay, 5.2 million. You know that is what it has come to be. Now, you take that 5.2 million and you say, okay, if I have this 5.2 million, what do I do? First thing is that a person is like 60, 65. They start getting into business. And they say, ah, no, there's a bottle store I want to buy. You know? Buy. Or there's a franchise I want to buy. I want to buy an endos. Now, you haven't been in business all your life. You want to take your last money and actually start a business at the twilight of your age. It's a massive disaster. Okay? If you wanted to go into business, you should have done it a long time before with small money so that you can feel how painful it is to lose money. You know? Yeah. And then, you know? And then from Spaza, you know, supermarket. And then, you know, supermarket. Then, 
actually you resign from being a government employee yeah. because you are now earning more money than being there. Then you, we are talking about a business person now. You know, that is why most of the money, people lose it because they think that the money is the same. Now, the thing about the government, that rule is so good. It's not only in South Africa. It's global. And the reason for that is when you do not have that money, guess who do you go to? You go to the government again. And you say to the government, now I need a grant. Whereas if you were pr properly looked after, you wouldn't have done that. And also that grant is too small. Then you have more people living in poverty, self-inflicted and not. The last thing that I want to just highlight on that particular issue again is that just remember that what we're talking about earlier, the 50, 30, 20, what it says is if you follow those principles, by the time you retire, that 8,000 is but an addition to what you have built. So you're not even looking at that money, really. You are now looking at, well, I've got my other house that's worth 14 million. I'm going to top it up. And guess what? I'm going to travel. So if they're giving you 8,000, the house is paid up, you've got this money that you've been saving, plus another house that you've just sold that's giving you 14 million because you've paid it up. Now you have, let's say, 20 million. What is happening? Now you are actually ending. You say, I'm going to take 50,000 rand or 60 per month. You have no debt. 50 of 10 and you grow And then basically, you know, Cape Town. You know, that is what it is. So, 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 and, and guess what? When, it, when you get to a point where you, you eventually pass away, you also don't pass away with everything. In your will, you are leaving 3 million for this child, 2 million for this one and the rest for the church. <laughs> no, and rest for, for, for the charity or the church, whichever way. But, but, but I, think, I think that is, that is the framework that we're trying to phrase. Pension is good, okay? In fact, a pension, even that 8,000, that if the, from the beginning it was not impacted in any way, etc. And it, it stays like that until you are 65. That pension is normally good enough to replace the salary you were earning before you leave. What makes it smaller than the salary that you were, you were, you were earning is because at some point there were some, some breaks, some withdrawals, some changes, etc. And as a result, then it's, it's, uh, it's impacted in the end. So the how do I get out of that slide? <laughs> um, so I tried to talk to it earlier, but I I went I went um i need to i need to i need to this thing yeah so i really wanna
Okay, so this is the slide she's talking about. Um, it's always problematic when you have scholars in your class who are repeating the grade. <laughs> because, because they remind the teacher. What I teach you, you are robbing the class. You should have gone to that chapter. You know, uh, that's, 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 that's the challenge. That uh, they also add value. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so how do you get out? There are, are like a, a few um, statements that we have put in place uh, around it. So the first statement says, admit the problem. Yeah. You know, sometimes the, 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 the reason why we don't get out of debt or in any problem or situation, we don't admit that we have a problem. You know, we think we are just going to, you know, find a way or look good and think that it's just going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. Must face it up and say, this dead thing, I'm going to fight it now. I want to get out of it. Admit there's a problem. Okay? Um, and also identify the cause. So I think one of the things that I do when I, I do like the debt uh, lesson is I first start with what are the causes that actually lead people into debt? That is why here, in the end, we say, now identify the causes. So sometimes the causes why you got into debt was just because you were a bit irresponsible. Sometimes you, were, you didn't know. You made some decisions because you didn't know. You thought they were the right decisions. Everybody was making them. You made those decisions, and it landed you into debt. Some of them were you were trying to keep up with the friends and the Joneses. You know, you know when they're doing this, you want to do it as well. You know? even though you are not at the same level, you know. Um, those are the challenges. <laughs> the, 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 other, the other thing is that uh, the, the one is seek spiritual, psychological, and technical help. So I, I want to confirm that one of the things that we found around debt is that sometimes it is actually a psychological problem then it is a practical problem. So sometimes you actually need a psychologist. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. And um, there's a guy who spoke to the one time, and this guy says, you know, I actually grew up in a very poor family. And he says, we were poor in a poor neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we were in a neighborhood that was middle income or middle class and we were poor there. No, we were in a poor neighborhood, but we were a poor family in a poor neighborhood. So he says, when I started working, I just felt that I had to wipe that cloud from my family. You know, so he, he said, you know, I had to buy the most expensive. I don't like to call cars now because some of them are parked outside. People were, were saying, yeah, you brought that guy to tell us. But anyway, so, so this guy, he, he was driving a very nice upmarket VW car. You know, and he says, he says uh, you know, when I drove that car to my family, I felt like I was erasing that cloud, you know, from the family. Now, you feel the guy where he comes from when he says it. But that is so wrong at so many levels. The guy is not well here. The guy needs help, and the help is psychological. It's not help that needs 
me to work with my calculator and work with the sums and show him that this is the right thing to do. That guy needs somebody to sit him down and say, you don't owe anyone any explanation. You don't have any cloud. There's no cloud you need to erase. You know? That was a situation you grow up in. It's okay. In fact, that's the situation that builds you to be the person you are. Celebrate it. You know, because you've come out of it. Some people did not come out of it. You came out of it. You are a graduate now. You earn good money. Now, what you need to do with the good money you are earning is to make sure that your children's children never have to go through poverty again by you making the right decision. But that's not something that is technical. You know, there I'm talking to this. The guy needs help to work with them. And sometimes you need psychological help on some of the things. These are things that we face as human beings, specifically black people. You know, they are real. And if we don't accept it, they show up when we actually, how we, the relationship we have with our money, you know, and, and, and how we do it. And then I spoke about debt cancelling, which has been made available and how you come out of it. I spoke about starting with high interest rate, uh, loans, the bad debt, and then stick to the cause. When you have gone through that process and, and the framework, stick to it to the end because the journey on the other side is very, very good. You actually you feel light and, and you feel that you're in control over your life and you can make decisions very soundly. There are a lot of people who are, who are doing jobs that they hate. You know, but because they just cannot leave the jobs and say, you know what, I'm going to be unemployed for six months and I'll be okay, you know, and uh, I'll look for something whilst I'm in this thing, you know, while I'm thinking. And then, and then the, the, the other one is set your net worth goals. So setting net worth goals is a very interesting, uh, I can see a lot of financial institutions are now starting to give you apps that can help you to look at your net worth, etc. It's a phenomenon that most of us have not really grasped, um, but we must actually grasp it. Your net worth tells you how poor you are or how rich you are. It doesn't tell you how you look or how fancy you dress or how nice a car you drive is. It tells you how much you are worth. So in other words, it takes your debts you have, it takes all the assets you have, and it gives you the net amount. And it says... You may look good in your suit. You may drive a nice car, but you are worth minus 500,000. <laughs> the guy who's staying at home, who is saving 40% of his, of his salary, who may be looking an ordinary guy, he might not have all the fleshiness, but he might be worth 2 million rand. That's the net worth. It says what you owe versus what you have. You minus what you have versus what you owe, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I'm poor, <laughs> you know, or I'm in debt. If I was to pack up and die today, my children will inherit debt. They're not inheriting any assets. They're inheriting debt. So it's important to track your net worth. What, what, what we encourage when it comes to, 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 to that is um, set very clear goals. You spoke about the life plan and the financial plan. Even your net worth goals say, by the end of July, I want to be worth 500000 You pay some of your debt, you get the right assets, and then your net worth starts growing. You know? and, and then you say, by December, I want to be worth a million. Then you work towards it, and you keep growing. right? 
And then you keep growing. What, what we then say as well is celebrate small and major victories. So when, as you clear your debt, you know, there's going to be some money that is, is remaining outside of it. As you stick to your plan, put uh, 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 milestones and celebrate them. You know, if it means you're actually going to go take 700 rand, go to a spa, have a treatment, you know, pamper yourself. As they pamper you there, you're thinking, mm, I killed that death. <laughs> I killed it. You know, then you're celebrating your small victories. You come back rejuvenated. You say, I'm going to go for the next one. And then I'm going to kill it. You know, call friends. If you've killed another big one and your net worth is starting to climb, call friends. Have a dinner. Say, guys, we are celebrating the death of another one. It's gone. You know, and, 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 and that ensures that you actually keep to the cause and you grow and your financial well-being gets better and better. So celebrate small victories and major victories. Stick to the, to, to, to the cause. And uh, with God on our side, we will be victorious. Yeah, we'll be victorious. May God richly bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.